The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Absent Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to the Deadline Day episode of Absent Minded. This is Patrick Bexel. I'm joined by Jared Book and Eric Gustafsson, right? Yeah, at uh, least that's what they call me. My, my friends call me that. All Swedes are named something with son, right? So uh, yeah, um, today I'm Eric Gustafsson, apparently. Yeah. Anton is here, as you guys can hear. And, and Jared, you're just back from, from the dentist, so we hope you can speak. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because I will try to keep this as short as possible. Patrick's excitement was more exciting than the entire trade deadline day at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Yeah, Well, uh, let's start with the first thing that happened today. Uh, Victor Meta didn't get past one team, I think, uh, before being claimed because uh, Ottawa claimed him directly. And if I have understood this correctly, Buffalo was off that list because they made a claim earlier this month. Um, that meant that no one really passed on Victor Mete. Uh, are we surprised? Are we not? I don't. I don't think so. I, I think. I, I mean, if you can hand pick a team for Victor Mete, I think Ottawa was that team. So, no, I, I don't think that it's really a surprise. But I, I also don't think that anyone necessarily would have necessarily traded for him. Uh, I, I think that it was a mixture of of Mark Bergevin trying to sneak him through waivers on, on a day where most teams are going to be kind of uh, looking elsewhere. Uh, it obviously didn't work, but I, I don't think that he necessarily had a, a future with, with the Canadians at the NHL level right now. I, I think the best thing for him was either to go to a new team or have some time in Laval. That, that, that's what was best for him right now. And, Either way, that waivers was necessary to do that. So, yeah, I mean, you can argue that Mark Bergeron could have maybe traded him, but if you could have gotten anything of value, he wouldn't have been on waivers in the first place. So I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a good opportunity for him in Ottawa, but we'll see. You know, I, I don't think the Canadians are necessarily worse off today than they, they were beforehand. And also yeah. it's a rumor that um, Ottawa played this very smart, shipping out two of their defensemen, last night and uh, another making one sure, making sure that uh, Brandstrom is ready to go and they have a replacement as well so so very smart from yeah. Ottawa yeah exactly I mean Ottawa has made this very clear that they I mean it's it's a punt season for them again right so why not go for younger guys right so Braden Coburn Mike Riley and Eric Goodbranson leaves and Victor Mete comes back in off waivers and he's 22 years old and he has a lot of NHL experience. And if you can utilize him in the right way, he can surely have a future in the NHL. 
but the Canadians are kind of, I mean, they're, they're kind of full on the left side of the defense and yeah, he can, he can slot into a third pairing, but his, his style of what he can bring to a Canadians team right now is not really what I think the Canadians need. So yeah, um, it, as you said, Jared, I think this was the best solution. Even if even if it always stinks to lose a one of your well, what has been considered one of your like success stories, right? He's a fourth round pick who went straight into the team off of uh, training camp, right? Um, uh, but it feels kind of like when uh, when Noah Jolson left and everyone was kind of thinking that, oh, well, he has a lot left in the tank. And I remember when we did the top 25 under 25 and everyone was kind of still rooting for Jolson to regain his spot on the Canadians lineup. And then he went to Florida and we haven't really heard from him since. So obviously, Victor Mete is more... Um, accustomed to to NHL gameplay but but still I think this is another opportunity where another situation where we just overvalue our own um, in comparison to other prospects it doesn't really help when the agent goes out and publicly declares that he wants to leave because that gives no team really the the incentive to offer up anything of value for, for a player like that well, you shouldn't say that because apparently Sam Bennett was traded today for a second round pick and second round uh, draft pick Emil Heinemann. So, and, and they have the same agent, don't they? And it was the, the that agent who made the. Um, I mean, it wasn't at the the same time that he went out and said that Mete and uh, Sam Bennett wanted to trade te- teams. Yeah, but Bennett is better than Mete. Yeah, sure, but like, to, I, I, I was, I'm just gonna say, I was surprised by the return that Calgary actually got for him because, I mean, he is a, he has been a bottom six player, and getting that kind of solid return when we see other, much more established, uh, player proven players, uh, get get traded around for next to nothing. I mean, it was just surprising to me. And Heinemann was in a game when when the trade went through, so, uh, yeah, he has experienced that as well. Yeah, I wonder, and I guess we'll 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 talk about uh, the other trade or, or the first trade that Montreal made uh, in the last couple of days in a bit. But I, I do wonder, and I'll use this as a kind of transition. I wonder if the mentality would have changed if instead of going on waivers, Montreal traded Mete to Detroit for for Merrill, and you know instead of the the fifth round pick or whatever. Because you know, let's face it, Mete probably would have gotten more than the fifth round pick anyway. So I wonder if that's if that would have changed the perception or people are like, oh, you only got him for Mete? Like, what was that? So, you know, I, I just don't think that Mark Larson was really in a position to to succeed. I think the mistake with Victor Mete was made years ago as opposed to, you know, the last couple of days. What do you mean by years ago? What do you mean? That, what do you think? Well, the mistake I, I, was I think I, I think he, you know, the, the fact that he had to be in the NHL and the, and the, the error in development and, and asset mm-hmm. management was what yeah. was the the damage was done you know in, in 2017 more than it was now uh not not to say that they necessarily screwed up but uh, i think that you know like, like last year right yes Kanyemi was sent down to the ahl when he was showing noticeable signs of struggle and, and i don't think they did that with, with victor mete they did that a little bit you know a few years ago for seven games or, or so and he came back a little bit better, but I think that 
you know, it, it wasn't necessarily the, and uh, Kukinyemi is a much better prospect than, than Mete ever was, you know, let's, let's, you know, say that too. But I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that in, in retrospect, they could have probably handled it a little bit better than they did. But I mean, that you can't, the only thing worse than making a mistake is not admitting that you made a mistake, right? So if they would have held on to Mete or forced him into the lineup or, or held on to him on, you know, as a healthy scratch the rest of the season, that wouldn't have helped anything either. Right. So I, I think that, you know, getting, you know, starting fresh for Mete and starting fresh really for the Canadians, because let, let's face it in, in a couple of years, you know, there's a very realistic chance that Mete would have been passed by Jordan Harris, passed by Jaden Struble. He's already been passed by Alexander Romanov, uh, probably has already been passed by Otto Leskinen. You know, <laughs> there's not really much room when, when you already have uh, guys like that in your in your organization. Uh, Keaton Gooley as well, right? That's another one. Nor- so, Norlinder. Norlinder, yeah, of course, Norlinder. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, you're already looking at, at four or five guys, not to mention guys like Kale Fleury and uh, Fairbrother and all those guys as well. But, you know, there's there's only so much room, right? And and I think that Mete would have been passed by them anyway. So it's really just delaying the event. He would have been on Weavers at some point. Let's put it that way. And NHL is not a development league. Let's let's remember that. No, well. it's, it's tough exactly. to come in. You have to be ready to play your game for the foreseeable future. The, the Canadians could not develop Victor Mete at the NHL level right now, right? Because you look at the left side of their defense. They have Joel Edmondson. They have Brett Kulak. They have Alexander Romanov. Those are the top three. Victor Mete is not better than any of them, right? And then you you add in you know Leskin in and and guys like that. So if you if he's not going to play. You know, obviously on the right side, they, there was room, but they got John Merrill. So that, that was, John Merrill is the, the reason why Victor Mete was on waivers, right? It, it happened within a couple of hours of each other. But if you look at the, the Canadians, they couldn't develop him at the NHL level. There, was, there were better players than him on the roster. Not, not even talking about better prospects, just better players than him right now. And this is a team that needs to start winning. So they, they couldn't develop him at the NHL level. So the only options were a fresh start or him going to Laval. And I think that they wanted to try and maybe sneak him through waivers, uh, but obviously it didn't happen. But uh, yeah, it, it, they, the, the Canadians could not develop Victor Mete this season in the NHL. It just wasn't wasn't going to happen. You've spoken a lot about John Merrill and and uh, Anton. Your thoughts about that trade? That he has an amazing haircut. First of all, I mean his mustache. Let's not forget the mustache. The mullet and mustache. I mean, it's just like taken out of an 80s movie. It's just fantastic. Um, No, uh, at first it was just, uh, you kind of look at it and just like, oh, he was one of those cast-offs that was selected by Vegas in the uh, expansion draft, right? Um, But then you look into his underlying numbers and you look into what he has brought to both Vegas when he was there and Detroit this season and you see that he's actually a very solid stay-at-home defenseman who has been you know borderline I mean he he can play top four minutes and um, getting that for a fifth and Hayden Verbeek who uh, the Canadians have already given up on um, I mean it's it's good business uh, getting that for a penny on the dollar so um, John Merrill he will slot into yeah I don't know wherever he's needed right and he can play on both sides so it's not just um, like a guy who will take 
uh, take minutes from Alexander Romanov or, or something like that. But it's it's insurance policy and it's someone who can compete uh, depending on who needs who needs rest or if we get another injury on the back end. Um, because I mean, it's it's intriguing to see Otto Leskin in this close to um, to an NHL roster spot. But if he were to play. I mean, regular minutes and and every night. I mean, then then we get into that situation uh, once playoff comes around. Basically, the same that we were in this fall, right? With we're we're basically there right now with Xavier Olet uh, being up in the taxi squad and and close to minutes. So, uh, insurance policy and and a guy who can slot in anywhere in the lineup. I I think that's good business by Bergman. And uh, something that just happened, or, or happened about an hour ago, Eric Gustafsson uh, to Montreal for a seventh-round pick. Um, it's a head-scratcher in many ways, uh, and, and obviously it doesn't help that uh, people are confusing him with an old Eric Gustafsson that played in the NHL in Philadelphia as well. So, so there is that. But uh, looking at, at different things here, first and foremost, it's a washout in the trade. Seventh round pick is, is next to nothing. But yeah, uh, he is an offensive uh, defenseman. He's played in Frelunda. Sounds awesome just by that. But obviously there is a catch and there is like next to no defense. And uh, actually, Anton, you found a really good article from uh, Kaisa Camelos uh, earlier. And and uh, there were some golden nuggets in that one. It was just interesting to to uh, go through that and see that. I mean, it was written right before he uh, uh, he signed with the or he had just signed with the Chicago, right? Uh, and apparently, both Pittsburgh and Montreal were really interested in uh, in Eric, um, in getting Eric Gustafsson right then. He he had come off a twenty nine point season in fifty five games with Frölunda, uh, where he was. He had become better in his own zone, but he was still not considered. I mean, he was still considered kind of a liability in his own zone, but he had worked on his power play skills and become a good offensive defenseman. And then he uh, talked to these three teams and he quickly decided that Montreal was probably not for him. They didn't seem as interested as Pittsburgh and Chicago. Um, And then he... uh, in the end, he chose Chicago, right? Because Rockford uh, is only about an hour from Chicago. So you, he worked. And, and let's face it, age. Montreal yeah. had St. John's at that time. So it was mm. a little bit of a difference there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's interesting to see that, first of all, his skills seem to have kind of continued the way they were in the SHL. Um that he is better in the opponent's zone than he is in his own, but also the fact that Montreal has had interest in him for six years, and Mark Bergevin seems to, yeah, know his way around this player. So now that you were able to get him on the cheap, there is really nothing to lose here. Um, if he can, can, can do, do we think that he will come back to a 60-point pace that he had in Chicago during 2018-2019? No. Uh, obviously not, but if he can bring something, um, a, a bit of offense to the power play, a second power play unit or something, that's fine by me. You know, at least it was in St. John's and not Hamilton, because we all know how much Swedish defensemen loved Hamilton. Uh, when they were the age of... defensive men as well. <laughs> um, no, but, you know, I just think that it's it's a way to get protection and contingency plans, right? Gustafsson is, is not necessarily going to play day one. 
with the Canadians, especially when Ben Chirac comes back. But you need you need to have that. You don't acquire a guy for a seventh round pick to displace Brett Kulak, who's playing with Shea Weber right now, or uh, to displace Alexander Romanov. It's just to have somebody there who can play those minutes, who has played those minutes in the past, who has played in the playoffs, and and have that ability to play. You know, John Merrill is the same thing, where he's a, a player who's played on the right side his entire you know last few years in the NHL. So he's a guy who can step in and play on the right side and, and is more, has shown that he can do that at the NHL level. Unlike somebody like Romanov who has you know shown it in the KHL, but you know the NHL is obviously a different a different beast and he's still learning how to play the NHL pace. He's you know he's he's still a young defenseman. Uh, and Victor Mete played there in the playoffs, but I think you know John Merrill is an upgrade over Mete as if you look, look back at last year's playoffs. So I just think that it's it's a matter of, of creating depth. And, you know, the Canadians have, have had an issue on that third pair on the right side. And if anything were to happen to Shea Weber or Jeff Petrie, you want to have someone who can step up in those minutes. And and Merrill is somebody who, who has played top four minutes in the NHL. You know, obviously he's not your ideal first choice in that role, but he's he's better than, you know, having Otto Leskinen have to do that or, or Xavier Ouellette because – you know, they, they have struggled at the NHL level. So, you know, so far in the last couple of years. So, yeah, I, I don't think, you know, whenever somebody gets added to the trade deadline, you're like, okay, where's this person fit into the lineup? And sometimes the answer is he's not supposed to fit into the lineup. He's just kind of there. So uh, I, I think that's what Mark Bergeron was kind of doing. We, we know that this team is going to, you know, add Brendan Gallagher, you know, for the playoffs, most likely. Ben Sherrod is going to come back, whether it's for the season or for the playoffs. And and Carey Price is going to come back uh, at some point before the end of the season as well. So you have those three people already being added. You already have Eric Stahl who was added. You have, you know, potential players in the AHL who can step up if, if needed, if there's injuries. So I don't, if Mark Bergman believes in this team and we think that he does, and he's shown that he does, and he said that he does, then you didn't really need to go out and do anything drastic. This team just needs to win, <laughs> basically. Yeah, and in regards to Eric Gustafsson, he's also the guy that finished Cam Abbott's uh, career on, on the ice. Cam Abbott is having a great success, uh, just not being friendly with his rugby team as a coach right now. So, so that's it. But one thing I like to, to consider here is also the fact that Mark Bergman hasn't sacrificed the team's future for for a big swing for the, before the playoffs here. I, I actually give him the credit to that. We don't know what will happen with Mark Bergman in the future, but but at least he hasn't traded away a couple of first-round picks or, or anything like that. He's kept everything going, and he's, uh, he's done that management very well, even if I would prefer to have gotten bigger names. But I think he, he handled that, this tread line, in, in what was probably the best way possible. I can, I can just ask both of you, uh, what were, like with the Anthony Manta uh, trade, thinking about that, because obviously the Capitals gave up quite a lot to get Anthony Manta, although, I mean, it's the first year of a four-year contract, right? So they get him for a couple of years now. Um, what would you have been willing to give up for, for acquiring a player of Manta's caliber? I, I mean, if you look at the Canadians roster, I mean, the, the big piece is, is Verana, right? So you're basically taking somebody out of your top six or, or top nine 
right mm-hmm. away. So, it, you know, would they have done something like, you know, Lekkonen and Byron? Probably not. With the draft picks? Probably not. So you're basically looking at, you know, Anderson or Toffoli. Uh, and, you know, if taking one of those out and adding Mantha doesn't make sense. You know, Gallagher's hurt. Uh, Tatar is a free agent, so I don't think he has much value to the Red Wings who are rebuilding. No. So, I mean, you're, you're probably looking in that case as, you know, prospects. And, you know, yes, Mantha would have been nice, but I don't know if, like, where would he... You, he, I don't even know if he would have, you know, he would have played what top nine minutes in Montreal. Like, would he have displaced Tatar? Like, you would have had to make a second move or, or a three-way trade or, or something for that. Maybe you know, trade Tatar to Washington or, or something. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's, it, it's, it, I, I think that that's something that you know. Yes, Mantha would look good in Montreal, but it, it would have been an immediate upgrade over you know Anderson or Toffoli or Tatar plus whatever you would have had to give up to get him. Uh, I don't know if that would have been a, a move I would have made for today. Um, maybe in the off season, that's something you can do, but you know, I, I don't know if that would have necessarily uh, been something I would have done today, but I mean, you know, whenever, whenever a top six forward who happens to be from Quebec gets traded, there are going to be those questions, mm-hmm. no matter what they, they would have gone for. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I wouldn't have given up that much either and, and if you're looking at prospects it'd probably be you know Gula would have been mentioned Norlin would probably have been mentioned uh, I mean they would probably have asked for Calfield but you know I'm going to give up him so so you know the telephone conversation the conversation might just have finished over there I was just going to say that because considering Mantis he's turning 27 this year and he's never been above 50 points uh, in a season. And I'm just looking at someone like Jonathan Juan, who, who people love to um, love to not like, I can say like, I mean, people have tendency to look at Jonathan Juan as someone who doesn't live up to his potential. Right. And he's one year younger and he's had two seasons over 50 points. Um, hasn't been in the recent years. I mean, the last one was in 1819, but still. So I'm just considering, like, is Mantha just, I mean, is he being over overhyped as a player? And are you actually getting, I mean, Washington in this case, are they actually getting an upgrade from Jacob Brana? Um, like, of course, they're getting an upgrade, but is it such a big upgrade that is worth giving up that kind of value? I, I think you have to look at marginal gains, right? Uh, uh, an, an upgrade for Washington at this point is worth different than a slight upgrade from Montreal at this point, right? Because Montreal is still on that building stage, whereas Washington is trying to maintain where they are, right? So it's a little bit different. And Mantha's not a rental. He's not an older player by any no, stretch either. Yeah. But but I think that, you know, it's, you know, the way things are, th- I know I, there's a lot of Canadians fans who probably would have traded Jonathan Drew for Anthony Mantha straight up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that necessarily would have been a smart move. But, you know, that's where the fans are in terms of their mindset uh, and maybe even some media people as well. But in terms of, you know, it's all about marginal gains, right? So a slight upgrade for Washington means a lot more than a slight upgrade for Montreal. So uh, I think in, in that way, it does make sense. And, you know, Jim Rutherford was on TSN today and he's like, you know, I don't really care about the price that you pay. It's about the player that you get. And, you know, Washington, I mean, Washington has a track record of, trading high prices for players who may not end up being successful where they are. Um, you know, Martin Erat comes to mind 
Uh, a little, I, a little I was going to go there, but I know you did. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that, you know, but no, but in, in all seriousness, I, I do think that it, it does, you know, it, it's a little bit different, uh, but it's a price to pay. It's a high price to pay. But, you know, at this time of year, you, you, pay, you pay a premium for that. And, you know, also you have to look at the fact that Washington won't require him to sit for seven days uh, where Montreal would have. Right. So th- there's all those little things that, that come into play a little bit, but uh, I, I do think that, in a case like this, you know, Washington's in a different spot than Montreal. And, you know, uh, someone was that, you know, bigger names and things that he's really the only big name that's moved, right. Other than Taylor Hall um, and, and things like that. So, yeah, I, I, I wasn't expecting anything. And, you know, if you look at people who say, Oh, Mark Bridgman should have done more. What was out there? There wasn't really much. You've been listening to Habsent Minded with Anton Roscoe. Jared Book and me, myself, Patrick Bexel. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you guys for listening. Subscribe, leave us messages, leave us comments. We will read them 